Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. And uh, I was I was telling my my guest Milton Jackson that I wish we had hit the record button earlier because we already hit some really great conversation. But thanks for <laughs> hanging out with me today, Milton. Hey, no problem, Nathan. And and just to give a little bit of an introduction to our listeners uh, who may not know you, will you just will you explain briefly how you're related to the photography industry, the businesses that you've been involved in? Yeah, so I um I became a photographer in 2013. You know, I had uh, a friend of mine. I was always interested in photography. At, at the time, I was working at ESPN, and uh, a friend of mine, who is the the sort of head of digital photography at the time, was like, "Oh, you know, I can show you how to I can show you how to shoot." And so, you know, I've I've been hooked ever since. Started Mitchell Jackson Photography in 2014, and mainly focused on like small events. Um, portraits and headshots, um, you know, really small weddings. I have like an affinity for, for family stuff. Okay. Not like the kid, not like shooting kids or anything like that. That is not my wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) I I give it to a lot of people who who can, who can shoot kids and all that. But I like, you know, like, um, fam, like 60th birthday parties and and events like that. Like I, I just really, really love those types of celebrations. Um, so, you know, I was able to sort of combine, you know, my, my love for like, hanging out with people and celebrating their milestones with like shooting them and capturing those moments. So, um, you know, a lot of what I did was, uh, heavily focused on sort of like small weddings and, you know, ceremonial events. So, you know, I've been, been, uh, haven't, haven't really shot a lot recently. Um, but you know, still, uh, still sort of hooked to the camera. If I had my video on, you see all my gear in behind me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've been so torn about the, the video thing, but it feels a bit unsociable on my part to be like, no, we're only going to do audio. We actually experimented with video for a little while before the podcast, just to have another stream of content or type of content to push out. But everybody's internet connection is so inconsistent and yeah, we ran yeah, into issues true. where that would affect the audio. And so I was like, you know what? Let's focus on the audio. We'll keep it simple. Nonetheless, you're a photographer. That's your background. You have that experience. But you, you talked about how you've not been shooting as much. You were telling me your focus has been largely on PicSpotter. So just briefly introduce yep. that brand, if you will. And that'll actually set us up for my first question about brand position. Yeah. So with PicSpotter, um, you know, we created uh, PicSpotter. Um, you know, I, I had the idea in concept, you know, back in 2014 after I started shooting. But, you know, the idea is really to, to build a platform where photographers can build and grow their business. And, um, you know, the, the, the idea is, is focused on empowerment. And so, you know, the, your, your first question was really focused on like, you know, what's our brand position? Our, our job is to empower photographers hmm. um, as a platform. And we do that by creating a platform that's really, really simple to use. It's simple to automate. But the, I think the most important thing um, is 
we really want photographers to, to be able to spend less time managing the business yeah. and more time being creative and growing the business. That makes sense. Okay. So I mean, with the number of CRMs in the market at this point, um, is that not a message that you see so much with other platforms that there was an opportunity there to kind of run with that, that message because it stood out from those other platforms? Yeah, I, I think in some pla- in some places, um, CRMs felt like uh, operating like grand old Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and and it's like if that's what I wanted, I would just use Excel, right? But what we tried to do was create an experience, right? We tried to create a platform where you you can go in and say, I'm uh, I'm trying to achieve X amount of growth in my business, and and I want to achieve. X percent growth for the next year mm. or the next two years or the next three years. Right. And we'll take, we'll take those numbers and we'll track, you know, how well are you performing towards those goals? Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, as, as sort of one, so our job, you know, like I said, is, is the empowerment factor. It's like empowering you to, to, to run your business, but also empowering you to grow the business. Man, I actually really love that. And I don't know of any of the other CRMs that are actually focused on that. I know that plenty of the CRMs will help you track numbers, but the idea of encouraging a photographer to set a goal and help them track progress toward that goal, that's actually really huge because you and I were actually talking about the idea of a big picture view before we started recording. This is a topic that I've spoken endlessly on here on the podcast. It's so important to have big picture long-term goals that drive what we do and you know, it's so important as well, simultaneously to, to to have awareness about the data associated with our business and putting that data together or trying to coinciding that with the big picture goals. Um, it may, that connection may not come naturally to a lot of photographers. You're actually enabling them to do that. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great opportunity um, for us to sort of differentiate ourselves in the market. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, like I'll even be more specific. Like one of the things um, that is really, really important in the photography market is understanding financial position. Yes. Right. Understanding financial position. And it is where am I spending my money? Yep. Um, where am I generating revenue? And and am I am I making more money from boudoir? Am I or am I making more money from wedding? Yeah. Um, you know, like being able to look at that data and say, you know what, like I might taper down, um, you know, the portrait sessions that I'm doing because I'm making more money from the wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, like be having the data to support that type of decision making yeah. is, is, is what we're trying to do. That's huge, man. We're very much on the same page. I was funny. I was just interviewed for a podcast not very long ago. I was speaking about this very thing and we've certainly touched on this in the podcast before as well. One of the, the where I suffer the most as a photographer um, and I started back in 2001 and shot in about 2012 or so. But my business fortunately did really well. We generated incredible revenue. The problem was I didn't know how to manage the money, A. So I didn't do that very well. And then I also didn't know how the, the significance of data, utilizing data for the sake of my business to make intelligent decisions for my business that, like you're describing here. Um, I, it really sounds, I mean, I'm getting all excited just talking about it with you like <laughs> for, for you to be able to, to set your platform up, to do something as simple as like, maybe they get, you know, one of your 
your users gets a, a message that's like, hey, you spent, you know, 50 more dollars or 100 more dollars this month on this particular thing. Your goal is to get here. You would be this much closer if you hadn't spent that money. It, just little notifications like that that help them think proactively yeah. about their income and expenses and how that relates to the big picture goal. It seems like there's a massive opportunity there. And uh, I'm, I'm really stoked for you. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been great for us. Cool. Well, we'll we'll um we'll keep going because I know we have a lot to talk about. But um and, and actually this leads me to what is normally my second question it has to do with customer experience. So you bring experience as a business owner, as a photographer, but also as somebody who is uh, owns a platform that is working with creatives. What has been yep. one of the most important lessons that you've learned about creating a good customer experience through this all? Yeah. So, you know, one of the great things about, um, you know, my professional experience, I've, you know, I've worked in, in photography, I've worked in design, I've worked in tech. Um, and so this idea of like customer experience is, is, is really, really like important. I, there's one thing that there's one thing that comes to mind. Growth is a reflection of your ability to make every customer feel like they're your only customer. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and we know the photography industry is all about referrals. Yeah. The the only way that people are willing to refer you is by them having a great customer experience or by them having some sort of direct or indirect correlation, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who knows you or is familiar with your work. But it all revolves around how do you make a singular customer feel? Um, and, and how do you create an environment that keeps them coming back? And, and it's simple. You've got to get to know them. You've got to know who they are, where they work, the names of their children, the things that they like. So, you know, like this whole idea of, of improving the customer experience or, um, you know, driving customer experience is no different than making friends. Hmm. How do you scale that? Because you know, I think about, um, as, as a business owner, for example, one of the main reasons that I started Photographer's Edit was to create even more freedom, more flexibility for myself as a business owner. And I know I could put 80 hours a week into the company, you know, getting on the phone and talking with our customers nonstop for, for that very purpose. And, and I'd love that idea. At the same time, I don't want to get burnt out as a business owner. I start a business for the sake of freedom and flexibility. So how do you scale that effort to create a personalized customer experience while also not getting burnt out in the process? So I, I used Zapier when I was running Milton Jackson Photography okay. on a day-to-day basis. I used Zapier. And so a lead would come in from my contact form, um, you know, for whether it was a, a wedding or, or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, Zapier would, 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 reply to that lead, send an email. And then that email would be like a link to a questionnaire, for example. Mm. And the questionnaire would say, you know, uh, what's your name? Um, you know, if it's a wedding, like what's the groom's name or what's the bride's name or what's your partner's name. And then you go like, uh, you know, how big is the family? Can you provide the names of the family? And then after that, when you're doing that initial, like, um, screening call with the client, it's, Oh, you know, how's your mom doing? Her name is, Angela, right? Um, so it all just sort of becomes like an organic part of the process. Okay. Um, and it doesn't require you to do a lot of sort of like personal digging where you're like on the phone with them for like a thousand hours trying to figure out all that. You know, there are there are ways in order to really have like organic conversations in sort of these, you know, first meet, first um, first talk sort of settings. Yeah, I mean, using, and it's interesting, we do have 
so many tools that enable us to, I guess, simplify and in, in some cases automate that process of better creating a customer experience. I know it's always uh, a challenge to figure out the balance between that automation and then the personalization and and because we do have to scale. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's it's so true that we need to utilize tools that enable us to to input or or to create automation in our businesses for the sake of better managing our time. Um, and I know that that balance is going to look different for everybody, but that's, that's a good, it's good food for thought. It's a good reminder too, for all of us. Let's actually talk about time though. That very thing that we were just discussing. Um, you mentioned the significance of family to me before we started recording today. You've yeah. since mentioned it again. You like photographing families. I'm actually looking at a picture of your family. It looks like from back around Christmas time that you have in your Facebook page, lovely image. Um, talk to me before we talk about time management, talk to me about the significance of family to you. What, what is it that drives that in your mind? Why is it so important to you? Um, you know, my, my father, my father was a central figure in both my, um, both his family and, and my mom's family. Hmm. He spent, a, he spent a lot of time ensuring that there was a connection, you know, between him, his siblings, his uncles, aunts, and, and, and parents, and then instilling in us, you know, me, my brothers and my, my, my sister instilling in us like this, this idea that family is everything. Right. Mm. Um, and, and so I, we've got a big family, right. I've got, I've got a ton of cousins Okay, and we all get together once a year. Um, well, we typically get together once a year and it would be this big, like blowout family cookout at yeah. my, uh, at my mom, at my mom's house. Yeah. That cookout expanded from like immediate family to family and friends. And, you know, any given year you'd have 150 people sitting in my parents' back backyard. Wow. And so, so this idea of like family and spending time and, and celebrating family and celebrating milestones has just really become like a part of who I am. Yeah. And so like, you know, we sell it, we try to celebrate every birthday um, because every birthday is significant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, that, that's my, like, that's, that's my foundation essentially. Yeah. Instilled in you because of your dad. That's really cool. I, I, I just love opportunity to connect with family. Like when we do bigger family get togethers for holidays or otherwise, and somebody's missing, even if it's, I have three younger brothers, even if it's just one of my brothers and his significant other, whatever, whoever it might be, it feels like I'm missing out. Like I want to connect yeah. with everybody and as many people as we can, let's just all get together and hang out. So I, I, I get that, that significance of connection. Um, and it's something certainly that I want for in my life on an ongoing basis too. I just feel better for it. But when it comes to being able to manage your time as a business owner for the sake of then giving that time to family, what have you learned about that, that juggling act, if you will, is there a particular principle yeah. that's made a difference for you? Um, I, I'll share one that my wife probably doesn't agree with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you, you've got to figure out how to, how to time box. Okay. Um, you know, like you've got to, and, and the way to do that. And, you know, like I, I, I learned this through like my experiences in the corporate world. The way to do that is by defining smart goals. And, and I don't mean like smart, like, like, oh, you know, I've got to create some intelligent goals. I mean, like the acronym SMART. You've got to create specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, timely goals. Um, and the way to do that, you got you to gotta spend time every single day saying, what am I going to achieve today? Um, and 
if you know it's something that you can't achieve in that one day, like break it up into two, make it achievable, make it measurable, okay. make it realistic. The okay. key part is realistic, right? Um, and if at the end, um, the end of the day, you look at your list and like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to that one, or I didn't get to this next one, then you knew that your list wasn't realistic in the first place. Hmm. You know, so you you you've got to you've got to understand how much time you have. Yeah. And then also learn how much time it takes to get things done and then define your days based on that. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned realistic because I have a tendency of setting way bigger goals than I can realistically um, or sustainably achieve. And so that really is important. And and the funny thing about setting realistic goals or even less than realistic goals, if you will, is that the sense of accomplishment when you're able to check that thing off the list is really encouraging and it tends to push you. So if, if we keep those goals realistic, it'll help that sustainable effort toward continued progress or consistent progress. Um, the SMART acronym, specific, measurable, is it actionable or what's the A? Achievable. Achievable. Okay. Achievable. Yep. I'm just, I'm, I was taking notes here and I wanted to make sure I got that achievable. We'll of course put this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And timely. That's good. Yeah. That's really, really good. Okay. So another element of time management, outsourcing, delegation. This is something we talk about a lot here in the podcast. And naturally, I'm a bit biased because I own an editing company. But I think when it comes <laughs> to time management, delegation, whatever it might be, you know, editing, album design, admin work, etc., helps us be able to create more space and time in our lives. Is this something that you've experimented with? What's your experience been like? Yeah. So, um, you know, at Milton Jackson photography, it's literally a one man show. Okay. Right. Um, and then every now and then I would, I would ask, you know, a friend of mine to come in to just sort of function as like, um, as, as photo director, really like, uh, helping me with, with, with the models and the clients to make sure that they're posing correctly. Cause like posing is one thing that I'm, I'm I've done like a thousand courses on sure. and I feel like I can never get right. So, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll have somebody come in and help with the posing and, um, and, and direction and all that. But that took a while for me to know and realize that that was a weakness of mine. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, my, my mentality about outsourcing is like, what are, what are the things that you're not really good at? Or what are the things that you're good at? but feel like you can gain some efficiencies of scale yeah. by, by delegating or outsourcing somewhere else. The, the, the thing about like me being in the photography industry that I realized was I needed to spend time with the clients yep. um, and, and understanding what they wanted, understanding what their vision was. And, and granted, this is every photographer, right? But the more time I spent, I spent calling images, doing like pre-edits before I sent them off, you know, touching things up before the initial previews, uh, I, I realized it was just a lot of wasted time. Um, and after a while, like I, um, I, I started, I actually started outsourcing some of my, uh, my editing and granted I'm doing small events. So I'm probably taking like 500 to six or 700 photos, you know, for some of these, I'm deleting a lot on camera because I have that kind of opportunity in those small settings, you know, so I ended up outsourcing some of the the editing simply because I wanted to spend time with the clients and yeah. not so much spend time like banging away at the keyboard or 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 my my tablet. That makes sense. I, I mean, it first of all, 
delegation, outsourcing, again, whether it's editing album design, admin work, accounting, whatever it might be, it frees us up to focus on the things that will actually grow our business relationships with our clients. And uh, what I would hope for most people listening in is an obvious idea that is not just an idea, something actionable that we can do that will actually help make a difference in the growth of our business over the long run. So there's there's a significant benefit there in delegation. The other thing that you mentioned, though, and we've actually used this word more than once in our conversation today, scalability. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it almost sounds like a corporate word probably to a lot of photographers, but it actually carries significance in the context of a sole proprietorship too. Can you explain from your perspective why it's significant? Yeah. Um, you know, so in, in a lot of cases we think about, um, the photography industry as what we classify as lifestyle businesses, okay. right? In, 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 in corporate speak, what, what that means is, You've got a company that is owned by one person um, and is managed by one person, can be grown to, you know, four or five, six or seven different people working there. But ultimately, you're doing that job because it's something you love. It's something you're passionate about. Um, and it's something that will generate you a, a, a fair amount of revenue. Hmm. But it's not necessarily going to scale, right? Like it's not going to scale to a million dollars annually or $2 million annually um, in, in some cases. And I'm just using those numbers as example, as examples. Um, It's not going to scale to an exponential point because lifestyle businesses are not intended to scale at that, that, that sort of pace. Now, when you, if, if you read a lot of um, information about like startups, one of the things that startups have to do is they have to cross the chasm. They have to cross that initial barrier where they've they've figured out product market fit. They figured out who their customers are. And then they once they figured out how to make everything in their business a a mastered, repeatable action, um, then they see exponential growth. And so scale is important if you're trying to get to if you're trying to make a a seven figure salary um, annually from your uh, from your photography studio. You've got to figure out how to cut out waste, cut out fat, um, define your goals in a way that allows you to grow. Um, and if you, if you don't do that, then you, you're, you're just going to have a lifestyle business. Well, and, and that growth, it's scalability isn't just about growth. It's also about putting in place the systems that enable that growth in a way that doesn't Absolutely. burn you out, right? Like, in fact, I actually, as you were talking, I pulled up the definition for scalability on dictionary.com. And it says the ability of something, especially a computer system, um, we could, we could call it systems just in general for photography businesses mm-hmm. to adapt to increased demands. And right. the real, the reality is if we, if we want to continue to grow as a business, we, we want that revenue to increase year over year. We can only do so much as an individual photographer in order to reach those types of increasing revenue goals. So we have to put the systems in place, potentially hire individuals to help us scale up. It's not just about the revenue growth. It's also about the systems that enable that growth. And and I think it would be a really good idea for photographers to think a little bit more about this. There's a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Uh, that I had the opportunity to get into a number of years ago that talks about the significance of scalability. And we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com uh, for anybody who is interested in, in learning more about the concept. But I just wanted to highlight that that idea really quickly because it isn't just a corporate word. It is actually quite applicable to photography businesses. And I think if we would all do 
do well to, to consider that as we continue to develop our business. Speaking of books, uh, Milton, I, I'd love to hear a favorite book. This could be a business or self-help book, uh, maybe yeah. even a podcast that has made a big impact on your life in the last few years. So I, I, um, <laughs> I love this question. Is it okay for me to curse? Oh man, go for it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, book number one, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, by Mark Manson. Yep. The, the, the reason why I love that book, um, is it tries to get under, um, all of the things that are important to us. Um, it, it really tries to try to tries to get to what are the things that we care about, mm. but more importantly, what are the things that we shouldn't care about? Yeah. And it, it, the, the main thing that I took out of that book is you've got to know your value. And therefore, once you know your value, you know what you can give to the world. Hmm. Um, and, and photography is one of those areas that if you understand what photography does, you will realize that the job we do as photographers is to change the way people look at each other, change the way people look at art, um, and change the way our clients look at themselves. Hmm. That is one of that's one of the key fundamental things that we do. Aside from capturing moments, like our job, if we know our value, is to provide value to other people. The second book is is really a business driven book, um, dig, the Digital Marketing Handbook by uh, Shivani Crawl. Okay, um, I think you know in, in a lot of cases we we as photographers know that the the industry is a word of mouth industry, yep. right? Yep. Um, but word of mouth is very hard to scale, and so the other side of of the industry right now is figuring out how you can leverage technology to grow your business. That's SEO, that's pay-per-click, that's content marketing, that's social media. Um, this book really lays out and provides an understanding and a simple understanding of what all of these tools are um, and, and how you can leverage them. That's great. And, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about before we started recording again, we, we should have hit the record button right away. There's some good <laughs> stuff there. But we were talking about taking advantage of this downtime, the slower season while we're managing COVID, dealing with COVID to do these very things that can make a big difference in our businesses in the long run. Um, so I think this is going to be a great resource for those who are curious. You know, I mean, as much as we talk about the significance of these digital tools in our industry, it's one thing they talk about. It's another thing to do. And, um, and I think that we need to, even if it's just a little bit of time here and there, we need to take advantage of this slower season right now to, to invest in those tools that will enable us to grow and scale as we were talking about over the long right. run. We'll link to both these books in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And by the way, for everybody listening in, Haley, who produces the show, has actually put together a really cool resource. If you go to bocabookshelf.com, the, the most popular books that our guests now, it's something like 440 episodes, uh, have mentioned over the years um, are highlighted there at bocabookshelf.com. So take advantage of that resource as well. We've got links to the books on Amazon and uh, you can easily go purchase those. Um, let's actually get into kind of the meat of our conversation for today, Milton. And one of the things you actually, you mentioned to me uh, prior to our conversation today, you wanted to, to get into was the significance of an effort to support the rise of diversity 
in our photography industry. And I'm really curious, as a photographer of color yourself, what has your experience been like over the last few years? Have you have you seen change in this regard in the last few years? Is it more so just in the last few months? I'd, I'd love to get your take on this. Yeah. So I actually, I think the market is really being reactive now. Mm. I think the, the social determinants of health around COVID and the impact to the African-American and Latinx community, George Floyd, like these social issues have yeah. really shed a light on the inequities in all industries right. and specifically in the photography industry. I will tell you that I've watched, uh, especially over the last like three or four years, photographers scream at the top of their lungs to be included in the equity conversation, not specifically the diversity conversation, okay. but the equity conversation, okay. right? I've seen folks, um, you know, say, you know, like we don't have enough ambassadors. We don't have, we don't have enough people speaking on behalf of brands yeah. who look like me, who, who, who talk like me, who share, share a similar background. And so you know, what, what I've seen, and I've got to give a lot of kudos to the Keisha Lamberts. I've got to give a lot of kudos to, to the, to Maya Colvins and yeah. I, even our very own, like Keith Clater, yeah. um, you know, Chip Desert and, and, and Quentin Carson, um, and, and, and those guys, um, because essentially what's, what's happened, um, the brands weren't focusing on, uh, or let me, let me not say focusing. There was just not a lot of great representation. Mm. And so rather than these guys saying, hey, how about you let me sit at your table so that I can give you my perspective? These yep. guys said, you know what? I'm going to create a table and we're going to we're going to share the perspective. Yeah. And, and I've watched I've watched photographers grow um, and transform. So now the market's being reactive. Right. The market is saying, oh, man, like finally, like, oh, the diversity was not there. So now let's 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 go out. So so we're seeing the Sony's of the world, the Fuji's of the world, yeah. the Canon's of the world. You know, all of a sudden, the, the, the ambassadors are getting more colorful, Sure, which is amazing. Right. It's um, good. But I, I have to ask you, does it feel kind of I, I, maybe this is a harsh word, but does it feel kind of gross at the same time? Because I was even and obviously I'm a white dude, but I was even kind of put off by a lot of the stuff that I was seeing in social media, because as you put it, it was very reactive. Um, you know, yeah. people are it, basically a lot of people felt like they needed to be saying something or they quote, get in trouble. And, and a lot of it just felt very kind of forced and, and just gross in the end. So what, it, what is, what's your perspective on that? Does it feel that way? Do you feel like this is actually making yeah. a big difference toward progress? You know, it, it so so I so I have a couple of thoughts in both positive and negative. Like I have I have the the reaction of oh my god this is fantastic right for these for 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 my friends in the community um, for the people who look like me in the industry it's fantastic for the people who are just coming up in the industry yeah. um, who are who are trying to find their way and trying to find mentors and people to follow. The question I have though is. Is it sustainable? Right, right. And 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 that's really the 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 thing that I think a lot of these brands have to figure out. Like, is is it sustainable? Um, and I'm not saying sustainable in a sense like, are there enough photographers of color or black and brown photographers to become ambassadors? The answer there is absolutely yes. Sure, sure. But but the question is. Are there enough people in these corporate offices who are thinking about black and brown people 
as they're making decisions about the next camera, mm. the next campaign, and, and the next group of ambassadors? Are there is there enough representation in those rooms to help us move the needle? So I, I, that was my next question, actually, was how do you feel we can make this kind of turn this from something reactive to something that is proactive and that is sustainable? Is there, I, I know there's not one simple answer, but what's your perspective on that beyond just, you know, on a very simple level, these companies proactively thinking about the greater good, if you will, and being more inclusive and and showing more representation, how can we actually maintain this bit of momentum that we're seeing right now? Yeah, I, I think the decision makers have to change. The people, the people who are making the grand decisions within the industry, those those committees, those organizations, they need to be more diverse. Um, they need to be more representative of the people who are actually holding the cameras and. You know, they, they need to find new and more innovative ways of engaging, you know, and, and there's a lot of places and a lot of communities in whether it's social media or, you know, or, or in meetups or, or whatever. There, there are a lot of communities who are willing to engage. Um, you know, they just have to be sought after. So it's just a matter of uh, it brings us back to the significance of doing again, right? Yeah. Because we can talk about it all day long. We just need to actually do it and do it consistently. Man, it's such a it's such a tough topic. Um, obviously, I mean, just to say the very least. But I, I really appreciate you lending your perspective and and kind of shedding further light on this. Uh, perspective is one of the things that um, I was even having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine recently, and one of the things I said to him was because he had he doesn't have the exact same perspective as as I do on a political level. And I was like, you know what? Thanks for the perspective. I, I really I, I really I crave perspective. Um, and, and I think if we're all willing to, within the photography industry or otherwise willing to maintain an open mind and, and be curious for perspective and be willing to have conversations that are, that are nuanced, it it would make such a big difference because, you know, part of what's, what's come along with these conversations has been a certain level of dogma which then doesn't leave room for conversation. And, and it seems like good conversation where egos are set aside, where we keep an open mind and, and we're learning from somebody else, that can really help make a difference and, and encourage sustainability in this regard. Right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it at that for the time being. And again, I, I really appreciate <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective. I really do. And, and let me actually get back to PickSpotter because um, you mentioned it earlier, and we've talked a little bit about the difference between your CRM and the others in the industry. It seems like there's so many and they, they, they've popped up you know, over the last six, seven, eight years, maybe even a little bit more. But what was you talked about the difference. What was the impetus initially? Um, can you expand a little bit on, on the impetus behind PicSpotter as it related to being a photographer? Yeah, so PicSpotter has, um, you know, like like any other business, PicSpotter has had to evolve, right? When when I started PicSpotter, uh, you know, I was again, I was still at ESPN at the time, and you know, we were thinking of like, how do we create a platform that allows photographers to find locations to shoot? Um, you know, it was, and hence the name PicSpotter, right? Like. I, I was, I was, I spotted a location where I wanted to take pictures. Ah, okay. And, and, you know, that, that's where the name came from. 
I, um, I was barely into my photography career at the time, right? Like I was barely into, um, you know, shooting and, and all that. And um, I went out, I did some second shooting with, um, with Tony Spinelli, one of, you know, fantastic wedding photographers here in Connecticut. Um, did a little bit of shooting with, with Keith Clater, who, you know, eventually joined our team at PicSpotter. Yeah, um, I've got to get Keith on the podcast. I've, I've had, it's been fun to connect with him in the past. Yeah, Keith is an amazing, amazing dude. Um, so, you know, I, w- I was doing second shooting and I was drilling not just into the, the artistry of photography, but also into like the business mindset of photography. Um, and, and my idea for PicSpotter morphed, you know, as I saw um, some of the pain points and some of the struggles of, of actually managing the business side of photography. And so that, that's where PicSpotter really came out. Um, you know, it, I'll, I'll give a shout out to a, a friend of mine. Um, you know, I, I worked on PicSpotter for about three years and we saw no growth, okay. right? Like we, we, we barely had any customers. And then I went to grad school. I uh, went to the University of Maryland. I focused on technology entrepreneurship. I was very committed to supporting the photography community. Mm. And, and so I, I, I took the idea of PicSpotter and, and the, the pain that I'd, I'd seen photographers sort of go through. And I took that into my graduate program. And as a part of the program, I got to sit down and talk to over 100 photographers, which is really what morphed PicSpotter into what you see today. Um, those conversations you know, helped me figure out like, what, what is it that we needed to be for the photography community? And, and, you know, like I I was going to give a shout to um, Donald Darling out in San Diego, you know, really good friend of mine. Donald is an amazing photographer. And um, I I set up an interview with Donald. And one of the things, one of the little nuggets that he said, he's like, look, um, the customers we, the customers we, as in in PicSpotter, customer we serve, are great artists. They're great technologists, right? Like photographers can adapt to, 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 to um, you know, going from film to digital. And, yeah. and it was like a seamless switch, right? Great technologists, great photographers who understand the art, but they're not good business people. Mm. They're just not. And so, you know, we came around to how do we uh, support the other um, set of managing a photography business. And that, that is the core of what we do. And we've, we've really evolved um, over the course of the last five years to something that photographers really, really enjoy working in. That's cool. And, and again, I'm thinking back to our conversation earlier uh, about helping photographers think from that big picture level and how to set the goals and how to work toward those goals on a practical level. Um, I'm really stoked to support your effort in that regard moving forward. And, and again, I said this to you off air, but I'd, I'd love to, to do so. So you just keep me posted and we'll try to help get the word out because I think yeah. helping photographers who are, as you pointed out, artists also think as business people, because this concept of art and business doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. The cool thing is if we develop a strong business, it gives us the freedom to focus on our art and if we're able to use tools like PicSpotter to help us get to that place where there's a better balance between business and art, um, it, it'll just it'll be a win-win, very simply. So I think that's really cool. What what would you say has been one or two of the biggest challenges um, that you've faced since starting and running PicSpotter? Yeah, I, the first three years of PicSpotter, I'd say number one challenge was finding who our ideal customer was. Okay, 
Um, you know, like we we did not rely on, you know, I'll, I'll tell uh, say the, the technical word, right? We didn't rely on any ethnography. Like we didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, we just made it up and hoped that it was the right thing, um, which sounds like every other failed startup in the world, right? The second, the second thing um, is, I talked about this a little earlier, know your value, charge your value. Hmm. You know, for a very long time, you know, we, we charged like $9.99. And funny enough, um, the cheaper the platform was, the less people signed up. There's, yeah, there's this, um, I had a conversation with, with a photographer while I was, you know, doing that, my interviews. Um, and one photographer said, Hey, you know, um, if it's nine 99, it's gotta be shit. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> Did that and, just and like was, totally throw you off in the moment? It look, it, it has sat with me ever since. <laughs> and, you know, we recently, we, we made a price change, um, you know, at late last year. Yeah. And funny enough, you know, it, it has, it has really improved our growth. Um, so know your value, right? And, and I have to jump in here because that is such a great example of what I was talking about earlier, where like, had you not set your ego aside and, and been open to that perspective, you could have continued to be in that place where you're not signing people up. You're like, you know what? Oh, I need to think about this. What does this actually mean? How does it relate to my business model and what my goals are? Right. You make the change and you see the growth. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think there's um um you know the 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 thing that we really we really struggled with um was, you know, like how how do we um figure out like the ideal person that's going to use our platform. Similar, like uh, one of the things that photographers struggle with all the time is like, you know, who is my customer? What is their yeah. monetary bracket? Well, if you if you continue to worry about the monetary bracket, um, all you do is you you'll look at Ibis World, you'll you know Google search, you'll, you know online all day. Find ten of your past clients, get on the phone, and say, hey, um, you know. We did a shoot, you bought some images, you bought some prints, like what was in it for you, right? And, and start taking the consistent themes that you hear from mm. those conversations yeah. and using that as a part of your marketing. Yeah, that makes sense because, and, and I know this is this, the context of this conversation will vary from business model to business model. And it may, yeah. in fact, it'll likely look different for a lot of photographers um, selling to their clients versus, you know, businesses like photographers edit or pick spotters selling to photographers. But it's the, the financial bracket within which your potential customer sits that, that certainly can be an element of marketing efforts, but a lot of it has to do with the conversations that they're having, the language that they're speaking and learning what that right. is and speaking to that, um, really can, make a big difference. For example, we at photographers that one of the things that we, that we tried to do was communicate the value of outsourcing editing with numbers. And, you know, as we've already discussed, a lot of, not most photographers just aren't numbers people. That's not what they're drawn to. And the idea that we were using math to try to sell photographers edit just didn't make a lot of sense. And we, we yeah. switched from that to a more emotionally focused message. What let's talk about what it is that is emotionally compelling to a photographer how their business is impacting them and how we can, as a result, help them. You know, for example, time is obviously one of the biggest 
I guess, uh, problems when it comes to managing editing. So let's speak to time and, and the time that they're spending editing. How is that taking away from their family and from their friends and from being able to actually right. grow their business? This makes a lot more sense than trying to use math to speak to photographers <laughs> who just aren't into math. Right. 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 Um, you know, like I, I um, I'll tell you this, like one of the, one of the top challenges for us and we were we were using a very like math based approach to to try to solve this, and then realized that we were totally wrong. Hmm. Um, allowing people the opportunity to get set up in our platform was probably one of the the hardest things for us to 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 figure out. And I'll tell you, we still haven't figured it out a hundred percent. And you know, I, I say like CRMs are like relationships, right? If you don't invest in the relationship up front, it just won't last. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, we've had to, we, we, we were looking at the analytics, we were looking at like drop off rates. We were trying to figure out like where in the funnel people were getting lost, you know, that's all anal- data and analytics. Right. But then we just spoke to a couple of people and they're like, I just want you to give me a checklist. <laughs> like, yeah. like, just tell me what to do first. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like th- that's one of the capabilities we're working on right now is that's just, cool. just giving, giving people a, a quick checklist, like here's, here's, here's what you do to get set up. Um, and you know, we'll see how that works. But the theme is consistent there. I mean, you pointed out the significance of conversation earlier, what you can learn from that, having conversation with your clients or potential clients to understand their actual needs, not the ones that are projecting on them, but their actual needs and interests can enable us to be able to better configure our business model to, to support those needs or ultimately serve those needs and we'll be in a much better place for it. That's, that's a really great reminder. You talked a little bit about challenges. Um, let's, let's kind of close out with important lessons. Cause I, I always love to leave our listeners with practical takeaways, things that they can go do in their business. So what are the three most important lessons you've learned since getting into the photo industry as a photographer and then starting Pixpotter? Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll start with this one. It'll, it'll, it'll sound like a little bit of a platitude, but I'll tell a little bit of story behind it. Yeah. Um, be you, be who you are and don't hide it. Okay. Embrace it. Right. And and here's a little story behind it. Um, for the first, I would say four years of PicSpotter's existence, um, we did not have a, a single photo of our leaders on our website. Huh? There was, there was not me. There was not Keith. There was not Chris. There was not like none of the leaders of PicSpotter were on our website. And ironically, that actually impacted the perception in the market and our growth. Um, We recently uh, made the decision that we were going to be out and bold about the fact that we were a Black-owned small business. Mm. And since we made that declaration, it's amazing the flip and and the perception of, of, you know, what, what we are able to do and command in the market. We're able to be, um, you know, more outward about our blackness, which is, you know, kind of, it's kind of ironic, right? You know, but at the same time, we can say like, hey, you know, we tailor a lot of our marketing to, to show representation, yeah, right? So um, a lot of our, the images that we choose are, Black photographers or Latinx photographers or LGBT uh, QA photographers, right? Like if you look at if you look at our history of marketing, um, there has been a prevalence of people of color. But what what 
the 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 transition has done is it it's really just allowed us to be embraced in the market more just for who we are um, and what we're trying to accomplish um, and and how we're also trying to help the black and brown communities. Um, if you if you think historically, disenfranchisement has happened typically on the financial level. So you know we're we're taking a lot of those themes and trying to move them into what we're building in Fixbother. And maybe this is rhetorical in nature, but. Uh, what was the fear of putting yourself out there as a, a photographer of color who started a company who's offering a service to the industry? Were you afraid that that was going to affect your ability to get business? Absolutely, man. I, Absolutely. That, I mean, and, and that and that's a part of the mindset, right? Like, yeah. That's a part of the mindset that that a lot of us, um, a lot of us, in terms of like people of color, we we wrestle with this idea of how much do we represent ourselves in order to grow our businesses. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's always sort of like a trepidation to say, like, I'm a black owned business. But the minute you say that it, it's, it, it creates an element of freedom. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a moment of celebration. And, and what we've seen is the market has really adopted, you know, or, or adapted to, um, to the fact that we've made that declaration. And it's been awesome for us. I mean, it, we, I'm so glad we, yeah, we put it out there about, you know, like three months ago okay. and, you know, we've, um, our, our traditional growth for like a three month period. Um, you know, we've, we've seen about 160% growth in that time. My poor, wow. That's yeah, huge. It's crazy. I, I just, it, it's, it's so just, I mean, ridiculous is, is not even a great English for this, but I, it's just so ridiculous to me that we're still in a place where that even has to be a concern. You know, I, I was listening to, yeah. Um, I think it was on on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. He made an interesting point, uh, which was, you know, hopefully we'll get to a place um, and however many, I mean, hopefully the near future, but where we look back and we're like, this, that was, that behavior was just as ridiculous as like um, showing some type of deference to somebody because their hair is a particular color or their eyes are a particular color. Like that, the fact that we still create that distinction and, and, and behave on that distinction that this person's a different color than me. And so I'm going to act, you know, fill in the blank. Um, it's just so ridiculous. We're in 2020 where we have all the technology in the world. We've made progress in all these other realms. And yet this is still an issue that we're dealing with. It just seems yeah. so, it's so ridiculous, but um, yeah. nonetheless, I, I'm, I'm stoked that you've seen growth as a result of, as you are saying, being who you are, not being afraid to, to put that out there. Uh, I think that's really, really cool, and 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 kudos to you for taking that kind of leadership too. I think that, that makes a big difference for the sake of our industry. Well, I, I got I have to admit, right? Like I've got to give it to Keith, I've got to give it to Trinetta, and I've got to give the Chanel. The, mm. You know, my I got to give it to my team for you know ensuring that we had a safe space to talk about it. Right? Of, of course, like we're all sort of people of color, um, but we needed to have a very bold conversation within ourselves um, and talk about like, what are the implications of us making this decision? How would the market react? How would our current customers react? Yeah. Um, you know, how would future customers react? Like these are all things that we had that we had to talk about. And in the end, you know, we, we simply came around there. There is no other way to go about what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, then, then to make sure it's hard for us to say, Hey, we're going to help you as a photographer, as a small business owner, as a creative, we're going to help you. Um, 
but how can you trust someone that you don't know? And, and that was the, that was really the impetus is, is in order for us to really think about how we put trust into the market, the market has to know who we are. Yeah. And, and again, though, I'm, I'm just thinking like, and, and then hopefully our market is progressive enough. Uh, I mean, it's 2020 for God's sake, like let's, let's grow up a little bit. And, and this idea yeah. that we would project or assume based on how somebody looks that they're going to be a, a, a business that we want to interact with or not is just it's it's so backwards and and it's thought processes. I, I surely hope that we can get beyond this in the near future. But um, again, props to you for for taking those steps. And shout out to Trinetta too. By the way, I haven't had the chance to to chat with her in a while, but need to have her on the podcast too. I, she's a, such a such a great personality. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love her. Um, we you know like we got a great team, man. I I, I really I really uh, really celebrate the interactions that we have on a day-to-day basis. That's you know, cool. We, we operate, we operate like a family. Um, that's actually point two. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Um, you know, so surround yourself with, with people who understand you and understand your values. Hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, point three is be data, be data driven. Yes. Um, you know, like, and, and constantly make the data a part of your everyday, you know, routines and activities and operations as a, as a, as a photography business owner, um, you know, the data will drive you to make decisions and, and whether those decisions are to help you scale, um, to figure out what more to do or figure out what not to do, you know, make sure that you're incorporating data. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, a practical level, we already talked about how PicSpotter does that kind of work for photographers, which I think is really, really cool. Just one or two other practical suggestions for photographer or photography business owners who are listening in, who, when they hear data-driven, again, they just kind of, you know, their eyes glaze over and they're like, oh, that's corporate speak. We make it practical for photographers listening in. How can they be more data-driven? Can you give one or two specific examples? Yeah, so um, I'll tell you uh, a, a little bit of a story. I um, when I first, so I use I use Pixbotter for my own photography, right? Yeah. Um, I went in there and and I set a goal, you know, and I'm I'm going to hypothetically make it up. I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars a year with my photography. Again, I was shooting small weddings. I was shooting um, headshots. Weddings died off in the fall, um, and in 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 on the backside of the fall in the early winter. And so, you know, I, I knew that in order for me to meet my hundred thousand dollar goal that I needed to do something else. And so I looked at the, I I looked at the types of shoot that I was shooting. I looked Mm. at the amount of uh, money I was generating from those types of shoots. Um, And then I actually looked back at, at my client list and saw like I was making more money from corporate headshots than I was from personal headshots, like personal branding sessions. And so I shifted my fall and winter based marketing to focus heavily on corporate. Um, and so, you know, I would do like brand advertising on LinkedIn and, and, and all that. And I didn't, that year, I will, I will admit, I didn't hit my hundred thousand dollar goal. However, I did get close to it. Yeah. And so, you know, like when you look, when you're looking at the data, the data will tell you the story. And, and if, if you can figure out how to react to that data, then, you know, you, you can, you can leverage your smart goals, right? Yep. Leverage your smart goals so that they can become achievable. Well, again, I can't stress this enough. This is such an important reminder for everybody listening in. If you don't have a system in place 
that easily enables you to look at income and expenses and act on that information. Um, you know, QuickBooks isn't just for taxes, for paying taxes. It's, it actually enables you to, to go in and look at the information, make decisions. And I say QuickBooks kind of more generically here because, again, we have a, yeah. a, a platform like PickSpotter that enables you to, to more intelligently, as a business owner, leverage the information and act on it. Um, make sure that you guys check out PickSpotter. But at the very least, I would encourage everybody listening in to make sure that you are utilizing a system that enables you to look at that information so you can be an intelligent business owner. And by the way, if you do that, you do that consistently, it also frees you up to focus on the art. If you are a self-proclaimed artist, that's great. Be that. But create a sustainable business in the meantime, one that is going to sustain your art, enable you to, to focus on your art. And you can do that by focusing on the data and utilizing tools to do so, like PickSpotter. Um, just to finish our conversation here, Milton, will you remind our listeners where they can find you and your company online, how they can follow what you guys are doing? Yeah, we're all over the place. We're on Facebook. Um, you could check out our PickSpotter page. We also have a brand new community that, that we're working on um, called the Workshop for Photographers. That is the place, regardless of what CRM you're using, that is the place to have some real raw conversations about how to grow, how to scale, how to streamline your business. You can also check out our user community if you're a PickSpotter customer, um, and you can find us on Instagram. Cool. So PickSpotter, it's, for everybody listening, it's P-I-C-S-P-O-T-R.com. And then it's the same yep. thing on Instagram. We'll link to these in the show notes. And then how can they learn more about the, the workshop community? Yeah. So, um, you know, just hop on the workshop community on Facebook, you know, Trinetta, Trinetta and Chanel, they, they, they run the, um, they run the platform. Okay. They are PickSpotter's customer success managers. Um, so their, their role is to figure out how to grow, um, you know, the, the photography business side, hmm. um, and how to help other people actually reach that milestone of success too. It doesn't have to be specifically for, for PickSpotter. Right. Like the workshop community is not for, you know, just pick spotter customers. It's for everybody who wants to learn. That's cool. OK, so we'll put that in the show notes, too. For everybody listening in, bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. You can find the show notes for today's episode, of course, along with the others previously. And uh, Milton, this has been a, a great conversation. I really appreciate your insight, your perspective and sharing your experience as well with all of our community today. Hey, thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, you know, shout out to everybody listening. This is great. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial-free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.